Enough Boys. Guten Tag, everyone. My name is Adam. And I'm Ben. And this is the Another Boys podcast. Um, great to be back. Uh, today we are joined by a very, very dear and special guest, um, David. Hello. How are we doing? Dave. 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 David ta- sounds way too yeah, formal. David, way too Very interesting that you chose to go with Guten Tag, and it's quite appropriate because, Dave, your, your name, your last name actually has a um, German meaning, does it not? Yeah. Um, my last name... Uh, oh, do I use my last name? You yeah, want if you want. Yeah, my last name is Kiffer, which in German translates to pothead. Really? Or pot smoker. Right. Um, which is was quite funny when I was going through um, German border patrol. They opened the passport, thought I was taking the piss. They thought, <laughs> they thought it was a fake passport. Really? And he pissed himself laughing. Get the fuck out. Every fucking German person I meet now, they're just like, oh my God, your last name... That's not a German <laughs> accent. <laughs> I don't know what accent that was. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's quite funny. It's funny as well because I have German heritage. It's a German name. Yeah. So I think somewhere in my lineage, uh, someone was just taking the piss. My last name is also German. Grossman? Yeah, it means like tall man, big man. And my dad is like six foot six. So See, I assume it's somewhere. And you're also tall. I'm not tall enough. Ah, actually, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much right now. But like, I always thought I was going to be really tall because my dad's like two meters tall. I was like, I want to be six three, but I'm six foot. I'm yeah. Dark, Everyone said I was going to be taller than my brothers. Like, my oldest brother was quite tall. And then Michael, the one in the middle, um, Everyone's like, oh, he's going to be taller. And he is. And then everyone's like, okay, well, David's obviously going to be the tallest. Yeah. And I'm fucking not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's, we're going to dive into this. <laughs> we've all clearly got something there. <laughs> it's obvious for me. I'm so short and it makes me insecure. How did you feel when you never really got there in your height? Um, I was always hopeful. Even when I was like, because I stopped growing when I was probably like 18, 17, 18. And I was like, oh, like you always hear those stories about like people growing when they're 20 and stuff. And then I was always hopeful. And then I guess I just kind of accepted it. I was like, you know what? And similar to what your mom said, I'm just like, I'm just going to work with what I got. You know, it's good enough. It's great. I'm lucky, you know? So I'm content with it now, but mm. I was always hopeful that it would be more than it was. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it too much. I'm, I'm 5'11", which is what they call a, a Jewish six foot. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So I've yeah I don't know I like I've never really thought as height being a goal to be honest um, you just can't change it it's yeah um, fair enough yeah, how do I, I feel uh, thanks for asking guys <laughs> um, how do you feel I hate being short it's just like a big insecurity of mine and I I've yeah. been trying to get over it and mm. there's nothing I can do that seems to be working what is what what is the insecurity I feel inferior around tall people. Right. You're not inferior. You have a personality that a lot of tall people wish they had. This is true. I've always said that, like, yeah, you're 5'5", five five, but your what personality you lack in makes height, you 5'9". What you lack in height, you have in confidence, and that's huge. That gets you a lot further than a few extra inches. Mm. Prince was 5'2". Prince well, was 5'2". Prince was 5'2". What the fuck? That yeah, is so... He, he, no, it's not small. That's adequate. He was a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, not man. Five two. Not 5'2". Five don't worry. Don't worry. I'm 5'5". Five five. Um... <laughs> Shall we do the words? Oh, what? my God. Yeah, let's do the words. Yeah, let's do the words. Uh, Dave. I'm so happy you guys brought this in. Um, you've told the story about where this comes from, right? Uh, that it's a friend's grandmother who writes these words. Yeah. I yeah. think... Have you, do you know, like, the full story? Like, nope, why she know. got the words? Nope. So, like, 
uh, I might be butchering this, but the story essentially goes that I think it was a doctor or a psychologist or something like that gave her a list of like positive words, negative words and neutral words. And she was just like, whose grandmother is it a friend? Uh, of ours? Friend, friend of ours. ours. Okay, yeah. right. Um, and she was just like, I don't want the negative and the neutral words. I'm going to cut out all the positive words and keep it in a bowl and just pick out a positive word every day. And that is so wholesome. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. And then she's just started making them for all our mates' friends. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice. It's so nice. So I'm going to pick Please. a word. Let's see how we go. Give me a good toss. Affectionate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. How does that sit with you? Um, it's fine. I feel like we should hold hands. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. All right. We're now holding hands. We're now I want to sip on my drink and I can't do anything about it. Oh, no. No, nah, um, it's fine. I'm going to go in. I'm leaving it out, by the way. Okay. I think it's I think it's nice to, you know, everyone brings something different to the table. Ooh. What'd you get? Sexy. Yeah, you oh. are. I feel like we keep getting similar words. You got that up. last week, didn't you? Someone got it. I think I got it a couple of weeks ago. I think I might have got it. Anyway, you feeling sexy? Well, today I have felt a little sexy, and I think it's because I'm working on this fungal infection of mine. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. I, on that, I have one too. Right now? Hey! It happens. Uh, no, not at the moment. It's it's one of those things <clears throat> that like I got it when I, when I was doing gardening, landscaping a couple of years ago. I was working... It's like sweat. Well, yeah, it's like I was working out... In the gross, uh, Adam's taking a photo. That's cute. <laughs> I was working out in the sun all day. I'm sweaty and dirty, and it's just the perfect environment for funguses to grow. There's no yeah. shame in it. It's just biology. So and a yeah. TikTok was sent to me, and we're still holding hands, by the way. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are, and I'm loving it. A TikTok was sent to me, and it was my rash that I had, and apparently it's really, really common in Australia specifically Ooh. because we have such heat. Um, Do you know what it, what it is? It's Something tinea. It's not like the foot tinea. It's a different tinea. Yeah. Um, tinea is a type of fungus. I think tinea <laughs> pedis is the... Ah. Pedis is I, the I don't know, one. but mm. the, the doctor in the TikTok gave the same advice that my doctor did, which is actually Adam's dad. And I was like, wow, <laughs> we're really onto something here. Not that there I ever doubted your dad, yeah. but... Um, I think it's a pretty common thing. I think it's yeah. a lot more common. Like it made my, me feel nice about myself. Yeah. And then I was driving home today and I was like, I feel sexy. Good. Yeah, and my now I get the word sexy. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, I'm reaching in. Understood. Ooh, Ooh that's a good one. That is, that a, is good a good one. one. How does that make you feel? Mm, bit hit and miss. I feel understood by some people, and by some people, I don't feel understood. Okay. But I'll take the people that do understand me. Yeah, those are all the people you need. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's very important to be understood. That's sure. life. I think there's you're always going to come into contact with people that understand you or don't understand you, and yeah. I think that's normal. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you want the people who don't understand you to understand you? Are they important people? Of course, yeah. All the people that I want to understand me are important. Otherwise, mm. I wouldn't try and be understood. Okay. You know? So then it takes effort to be understood. It does take effort to be understood. For uh, sure. I think it's the way you articulate yourself. Like, I don't know. I think everyone just has very, very different life experiences and you can't, um, I'm really hungover, so I'm going to have trouble <laughs> articulating myself today. What was I saying? How you articulate about being understood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, okay, I'm okay, okay. We're back. Um, We're not back. <laughs> We're not back. And on that note, I'm going to take us on to our first topic. Oh, I felt like I was onto something there. All right. Sorry. I'm Dave, really sorry. I, I had a wedding last night, so I... Um, 
you barely slept, very hungover. Um, but yeah, let's get into some deep shit. All right. So on that, so you had a wedding last night and you've actually come down from Queensland because you recently moved to Mm, Queensland. Yes. Um, How's it been living away from friends and family? It's not the first time you've done it. Um, Yeah, it's not the first time. I did it in year 10. Um, I did boarding for a year. Uh, Very different. I think I was 15 then. So I had different ways of managing stress and you know, I had my family up there, but I didn't really have any friends. So I was really, I was really new. Um, I remember like walking in, I went to rowing camp, like preseason rowing camp before the term started. And I walked in and my, uh, have you seen what the rowers wear? Those zoot suits? They're like these tights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. one piece tights. Sure. So I walk in and someone just yells, oh, fresh meat. And I, uh, I freaked out. I felt so exposed. This but yeah. When you were 15? This is when I was 15. Yeah. And I was, I was pretty pudgy back then as well. Like yeah. I was just not comfortable yeah. with myself. It was weird. Anyway, uh, so now, yeah, I've moved to Brisbane to study paramedics. Um, it's been really good. I think the first couple of weeks were really hard. Um, you know, I went through a breakup in December. So that's been... I've still been like dealing with like the residual... Of course, yeah. Um, you know, things with that. Um, and I got the offer to go up to Brisbane like really late, mm. um, literally like three or four weeks before I moved up. Mm-hmm. I got an offer down here, but it wasn't the uni I wanted to get into. And then I got into the Brisbane campus of ACU, which mm-hmm. was my goal, um, my goal university. And yeah, so I had, and I had three days to decide. Yeah. So I was like, what was that? What was it? What were those three days like for you? Um, it was hell. It was, <laughs> it was really hard because I, so I drove up, um, I drove up to Queensland to visit my family. Um, and I was just going up there for a week or two. Um, I was going up for like a fishing trip with some mates and then to go see some family. Got COVID, which was, you nice. know, so it sort of made the trip a bit boring, but yeah. So I went up, it was just normal. I was coming back. I was going to start uni, um, just gone through a breakup. So I was, you know, it was, it was a bit of a tough time. But yeah, I was keen to come back, start uni, just sort of get into it. And then just went for a morning swim with my cousin and then we went for brekkie and then, yeah, I got a message from QTAC saying that I got an offer and I was, I just almost had a panic attack and I was like, oh my God, like, I'm obviously not going to do it. I'm obviously not going to move to Brisbane. I'm not going to pack up my life and move states. Like, are you kidding me? Um, three days later, I accepted the offer. <laughs> um what was and, the decision maker for you there? Um, I just had a chat to my mom and my family and stuff. And then I was just like, sorry, um, <laughs> just swatting my hand away. <laughs> uh, I had a chat to my mom and my family up there and they were just like, you've always wanted to live up here, haven't you? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. I guess after uni, they're like, why don't you just do it now? Um, it'll be great. It's just a way better lifestyle for you. I'm like, yeah, it is a better lifestyle for me. Like I love fishing. I love doing outdoor stuff and like... I don't know. Melbourne's great, but there's only so there's so much. Good food and good coffee can only get me <laughs> so far. Yeah, yeah good friends um, mean fuck all, hey. No, <laughs> well that that was that was the thing that was holding me back. That's why, because I think because I was having such a tough time at the time I got the offer, I was like, I really need my support networks right now, and mm-hmm. like going to this place. Obviously, I have my family, but it's not. You know, I rely on my friends a lot. And my immediate family, mm. not so much my aunts and uncles for, you know, emotional support. So I was like, am I ready to make this move? 
um, with everything that's going on. And then I just figured like, it's no better way to build your resilience than mm-hmm. just have a crack. So, so how long have you been there now? Um, so 13th of Feb, I moved into the place. Yeah. So I'm living in a share house with five other people. Whoa. So six of us. Wow. Um, All boys? Uh, th- three boys, two girls. Yeah. Um, but everyone's been great. Like everyone, they're in their mid to late twenties. One of them's 32. Um, everyone works full time. Um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Um, one of them's actually like recently gone through a breakup as well. So like I was literally building my bed and we were chatting about our situations and she just started crying and I was oh, like, wow. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this is so nice. Mm. This we're going to become best friends. Let's cry together. <laughs> <laughs> the power yeah. of tears. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. No, it's, it's been good though. It's been good. I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think the first couple of weeks were pretty tough. Um, and then I sort of settled in, it, you know, ebbs and flows. It's been up and down. Um, Dave, you mentioned that you rely heavily on like your friends and your immediate family. How mm-hmm. has the distance impacted your reliance? Um, I still call my friends when I need them and stuff. Like I called you the other week. Benj, I called Benj the other week um, when I was having a bit of a, just, I don't know, it was just in my head one day um, and we just like talked it out and then, correction, I called you just at the perfect time. Oh yeah. Sorry. That's what <laughs> happened. Yeah. I was, I was in the kitchen. I was making some smashed avo on toast and I was like, so in my head. And then I see Benj's name on my phone. I'm like, oh, perfect. <laughs> and I answered and we had a bit of a chat and so has it just been conversations like those? Yeah, just little, just little things to break the cycle. Like that's mm-hmm. sort of how my brain works. I just sort of loop on stuff, and it can start to take a toll. Um, and I, after we had that call, I was heading down to Gold Coast that afternoon to go stay with my family. Um, and I had a bunch of shit to do that arvo, but I was just like, no, nah, I'm just gonna go now. And as soon as I got in the car and just like drove down the highway, I listened to some music. I was like, this is so much better. Like I already feel so much better. Mm. So yeah. I've definitely, I've definitely relied on myself a little bit more mm. and been less reliant on my on my friends back home but mm. i've still kept in touch i've still spoke you know i'm still speaking to mum here mm. and there um how does that make you feel knowing you've become more independent uh it's good i still got a long way to go <laughs> gonna <laughs> like, celebrate the little wins bro yeah and i'm also like i'm i'm exercising a lot more um you know, I kept doing, I found another jiu-jitsu gym. I was been doing jiu-jitsu for the last few years down here and I found a really good gym up there. Um, mm. And I've found in the last few years, that's been a really good release for me. Um, you know, it's, you just come out drenched in sweat, mm. absolutely exhausted. And there's just no room to feel shit. Mm. <laughs> like you're, 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 you're so brain dead after that you just have no opportunity to like think about some mundane thing mm. that's been bothering you all day. So that's been a really big thing for me. And I've been running and, you know, doing all that stuff. So I think like focusing on eating healthy and being healthy has been a huge thing for me, which is something that I probably lost a lot of focus in uh, on back here, um, just living at home and being complacent. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's been really good. I was going to say like, even when I when you walked in before, like you seem much more stable and like secure and like strong in yourself and just like standing there that's because i haven't slept <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sure it's also like you're kind of yeah relying more on yourself you know you're feeling more yeah uh, yeah i don't know um thank you for saying that it does mean a lot i i hope that that's the vibe i give off i'd like to think that that's you know how i'm presenting myself and i'd like to think that that's how i'm 
you know, that's how I am at the moment. Um, but yeah, ups and downs, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been good. I'm really enjoying it. Have you noticed really... any like, um, very, uh, Melbourne things that have been coming up that you've been called out on? They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Or what are you talking about? Um, hold on. Let me, let me have a think about that. Okay, Cause okay. so one of my closest mates from boarding school, um, who I'm still really close mates with, uh, now, like we went fishing last weekend. It was amazing. Um, he he grew up in Glen Innes, so he grew up in the country. Right. He grew up drinking boar water. He he this this guy never complains about anything. I didn't speak to him for three months because his phone broke, and he didn't. And he was you know he was living at home. His parents were supporting him. He didn't want to tell his parents that his phone was broken because he didn't want to like hassle them right. to you know you know get the phone fixed or whatever so yeah. he just went without a phone for 3 months and I couldn't That's get a hold sad. of him because he didn't want to kick up a fuss he just never complains about anything so sometimes when I can't complain about something stupid like you know the tap water's pretty shit up north he's mm. like mate I grew up drinking boar water shut the fuck up <laughs> I'm like yeah so fair so yeah I definitely get put in my place a little bit but you know um yeah like not really mm. I I'm I wouldn't say that a lot of my friends call me a bit of a bogan anyway, so... For, <laughs> I think for, I, for our friendship group, yeah, you're, you're the most bogan out of all of us. Yeah, so... There's I, no denying that. I, th- I think I fit into the to the, queen, <laughs> to the Queensland lifestyle. Do you reckon, is, it, is it that different? Like, what is the Queensland culture like compared uh, to Melbourne or Brisbane? What well, funnily f- enough, Brisbane's actually a lot more similar to Melbourne than you'd expect. Like, Brisbane is quite liberal and... It's more Gold Coast. It's quite bogan and quite, you mm. know, right wing, you know, whatever, whatever you call it. Like, I have an uncle that says the N word quite freely. Jeez. I don't condone it, but he's just, he's just a fuckwit. But like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, but that's, you know, and he's not, he would never say it to, anyway, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. But anyway, he's just, he's just such a bo Like, and that's just how him and his mates talk. And that, that's what they seem, you know, deem normal. It's not okay don't condone it but brisbane like you go to like west end it's very um it's like fitzroy right you, you see people walking around with mm-hmm. like blue hair and shit and it's you know it's don't um, put fitzroy down i'm really vibing that place no days. i'm not and putting fitzroy down there. at all i'm just saying like you know you get you get those interesting people yeah, like yeah. it's not it's it's not it's not too different brisbane's mm-hmm. not too different it depends where you are what um, have you noticed the biggest difference to be <sighs> no traffic <laughs> That's quite good. It's a very small city. Yeah. It's a big city, but it's a small city. I've like, heard it's like a big country town. That's that's what I've been told. Like maybe maybe it used to be. I don't know. It, but like I can drive from one side of the city to the other in 20 minutes. I, like I, I'll drive to gym on the other side of the city. It takes me 15 minutes to get there in like peak hour. And there's just no traffic. I get Pretty there. Late. Yeah, it's good. So you, you mentioned that you left very recently after breaking up with your ex-partner. Yeah. How did you find that the move helped you deal with that? Before before you answer that, okay. just so the audience understands, today's major overarching or I guess umbrella topic is right. going to be grief. Yep. Um, how, how people have dealt with grief, their experience with grief. Um, Davo had some pretty large life experiences. He's going to shed some light on that later on. Um, so yeah, just to ease us into that, I guess something that lots of people have experienced in terms of grief is a loss of a relationship. Mm. I know all three of us have experienced that. Mm. Um, so yeah, Adam, if you want to repeat your question. Yes. Um, so yeah, what was it like to yeah leave 
the country, not the country, I'm sorry, the city <laughs> moving, moving um, right after breaking up. Like, how did that, did it help? Did it make it worse? Like, what was, what happened in, during that? Um, it was, yeah, it's, it definitely added another, another element of feeling shit to it. Like, I, I think... It, there was just a lot going on and I think moving moving cities I'm sure anyone can imagine is a very stressful thing um, and then you know obviously I can't say it was like a background issue it was a pretty prominent issue in my mind but mm. it was always there as well so when I was feeling overwhelmed just from the move um, I started thinking about all my other shit that I had mm-hmm. going on and mm-hmm. then I was like you know so it was hard doing like dealing with both of those things at the same time but I think the good thing about moving cities is it is a bit of a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I needed to be on my own for the next chapter of my life. And I think starting fresh in a new city was quite a positive thing for me. Um, And, you know, starting this degree that I've been working for ages to get, Mm. to get into. um, Yeah. Like that, that's been, it's been quite good. Um, for the most part, mm. I'd say. So what's it like coming back home then? Has anything come up for you? Oh yeah, I was really anxious yesterday and the week leading up. Yeah. Um, I think, I think just, so when, when I went to boarding school, I remember the first term was really good. I was really enjoying it. And then I came back for a wedding, <laughs> just like this time around. I came back for my brother's wedding and then I had this really nice like family you know, this family event. This is when you were 15. This is when I was like 15. Yeah. So it is different, but I had this really nice family event and then I went back and I'm just like stuck in a massive dorm with a bunch of year nine and year 10 kids. Mm. And I was just like, boys, boys, boys. Yeah. I was just like, like I'm not having a good time. Like I got really homesick and Mm. there was no escape as well. Like I was just stuck with all these people and like, you know, at a boarding school, you show any weakness. They're all country boys. Mm. You know, if you show sensitivity, you're a fucking pussy. Mm. Um, and that was that was hard to deal with because I'm quite an emotional person. Mm. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so I've, I've had this fear of coming back and experiencing the same thing. Mm. Like almost like it's a, you know, like it's going to be a repetitive thing. But I think it will be different. I'm just, I'm preemptively worried about how I'm going to feel on Sunday when mm. I leave. Um which is quite silly. Like I just, you know, I know I need to just see how I go and mm-hmm. it probably will be a bit hard to leave, but I just, you know, I just got to be okay with that. Mm. Um, how, how do you reckon you've been sort of managing your emotions? So obviously there was, was there, so just bring this back to like the, the breakup. Mm. So you, you broke up, obviously you had the issue of having that in your mind as you were moving. Um, and then, now you've come back and you've had a bit of anxiety as well. Mm. How have you been managing your emotions associated with the breakup? Like, did, did you have any emotions come in saying like, oh my God, what if I see her? Um, what if I want to, what if I want to see her or something like that? Has any of that come up? And, and if so, how have you managed those? Not really. Um, I think like we're, we're, we're not, we're not in contact and I wasn't too worried about running in to her. Um, so, yeah, like that hasn't really been on my mind too much. It, it was a little bit, um, as it as it is naturally. But 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. I think the the chances of running into um, the chances of running into her while I was here is quite low. I'm mm-hmm. just sort of like I had the wedding. I'm just sort of going to be chilling this weekend. And yeah, mm. no that that wasn't that wasn't really a big thing for me this right. weekend. In terms of losing or ending a relationship, let's talk about sort of. So obviously you ended it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about how hard it is to end something. Oh man, it, that's a that's a deep rabbit hole. Um, it's really hard to fucking break like, someone's heart. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, and because I just had like I have so much respect for that person, and you know it's really um, it's a really fucking tough thing to do, and I think um, it really ruined me for a little bit mm. um what 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 specifically was it like what did you what, what do you reckon you felt um i was i was severely depressed before and after um i just like uncontrollably crying like i was inconsolable and i remember like when i started to realize that like i'm i'm not in a good way this is before it happened um i wasn't a good way i called my mum um i called my mum and (laughs) mums just have this effect um i called her while she was at work she's like hey i'm just at work um are you okay and then i was like not really (laughs) (laughs) and then i just completely broke down and then she left work came home and then i'm just like sitting on my floor crying and it was just like oh it was just awful and uh yeah i don't know but it was just one of those things i had to go through and i had to face and yeah, it's been really tough, but after after the first after the dust had settled a little bit, um, you know, and I started to unpack everything, it just it made a little bit more sense. My decisions seemed more clear, and yeah. But anyway, it's, let's talk about that. I think I think that's good because ultimately we want to be helping our listeners get through things that they might be experiencing. Yeah. Did you try anything that really helped, or did it sort of just naturally happen? Um, in terms of like getting over those negative feelings after the fact or? Yeah. Um, I surrounded myself with a lot of friends. I talked about it with a lot of people. I talked about it with my family and, um, you know, I, I actually, I went up to Queensland to visit my family like a couple of weeks later. So it was sort of good timing, um, to sort of, you know, get out of my room and, you know, yeah, like actually do things to take my mind off it but i think it's important to feel those things and i think um yeah it's it's just it's just one of those things that like there's no there's nothing you can do to stop feeling shit after a breakup Mm -hmm. you are going to feel shit you're gonna have to feel it um i remember my doctor gave me valium because when I was in the doctor's office, I was inconsolable. And I was like doing those like, you know, when you, you know when you cry when you're a kid and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> Love them. Just inconsolable. And she was like, I'm going to give you value. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I had one that night and then I was just like, this isn't, this isn't helping. This mm. is putting a Band-Aid on a fucking axe wound. Mm. Um, I just need to feel it and acknowledge that it's going to be shit for a little bit. And you just naturally grow and learn to deal with it and mm. become and you just sort of have to remind yourself of why 
it had to be that way. Mm. Um, and you know, that's just, that's just how it is. I've never had to break up, like break someone's heart. Actually, did I? I don't know. I don't know if that was breaking someone's heart. My first relationship. I don't know. It was a weird one. Anyway, I don't think I've explicitly like broken someone's heart. Um, in like knowing that it was going to break their heart. Um, but if I was going to, I'd, 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 the negative emotion that I'd be feeling, or the emotion I'd be feeling, I'd be feeling like a bit bad for being selfish in it. And because I haven't had the experience and you both have had the experience. Can you talk about the process of putting yourself first in that situation? So this is one of the hardest things yeah. when it comes to breaking someone's heart. So I absolutely ripped someone's heart out. Um, their words were you, it was as if you kicked me into the gutter and just drove away. Jeez. That's what I heard a month after it had happened. Yeah. Um, That's fucked. <laughs> I, 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 I ripped their heart out and <clears throat> I knew that was coming. So I was working on myself a lot and I was getting a lot of feedback from people saying how well I was doing. And then the one thing that I realized that was holding me back was her. And it took me a while to realize that like, no, I actually have to put myself first. And there's a negative connotation with being selfish. Mm. And all being in this instance or this example, I guess being selfish is more looking up, putting yourself first. Mm. And that's not bad because there are times where you need to put yourself first, especially let's talk like drastic situations. When you're rescuing someone, if they're drowning in the water, you don't rescue them if you're putting yourself at risk of dying. Mm. You don't. That's the recommended action mm. because at the end of the day, one person dying is better than two people dying. Mm. That's like rule one of paramedics, by the way. Yeah. It's if like you're going to put yourself in danger, don't do it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's that's first when that's when you're doing like your scene assessments and stuff in paramedics. Like the first thing you look for is dangers. Like does this person have a weapon? It doesn't matter if their heart's exploding out of mm. their chest. You do not get out of the car. CPR mm. training. Yeah. First doctors yeah. ABCs. Yeah, danger. Yeah, exactly. That's what assess that is. for danger. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And accepting that is so hard because in a relationship, you're you you don't think about yourself. You think about the us and mm. the the them. Mm. You you always put yourself second, and mm. you see it in so many relationships where people neglect themselves for so long mm. because they want other people to be happy that it just sort of tears them apart. <coughs> Luckily, I was going to a psych, and I had good friends around me to show me that, like, when I was working on myself, that. I was doing better Mm. and that highlighted to me that I needed to do this for me. Um, So it's just like, it's removing the negative connotation of being selfish and being like, no, this is what I'm doing for me to live a better life. Mm. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, they're also going to live a better life because you'll both be happier. Mm. Mm. There won't be a guilt held above anyone Mm. about anything. Yeah. Doesn't make it easy. Mm. Yeah. It's, it, it is hard because um like in my in my situation uh this person was the most selfless person i know um and i i felt like being selfish was you know extra bad mm. um and yeah that was that was a hard thing to confront because i was like yeah this this person is like so good to me um how like my when i was feeling really depressed about all this like my my mind was going like how how dare you think about hurting this person mm. who's been 
such a you know good person to you like mm. like how fucking dare you that's where my mind was going mm. so that's why it was really hard to confront but you're also a very selfless person mm-hmm. in your nature mm-hmm. mm. yeah so you yeah. say mm, but adam and i both agree like you're a very selfless person uh, amongst our boys we know that if if it's sunday we're all hung over <laughs> someone needs a lift to their car you put it in the boys group and you know that Dave is at least going to say, nah, sorry, I can't, I'm here. Or, yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> at the very least, you're going to give us a reason why you can't. And that just, it's it's an ode to you and, and your character as well. Yeah, I used to do that with airport runs all the, all the time. And then elite. I I sort of stopped doing that because the one time I needed a lift from the airport, no, no, no one fucking responded. <laughs> you're, you selfish pricks. <laughs> The one time I needed a lift from the airport because mum was working and my stepdad wasn't available. Everyone was just like, just silent. Dead, dead <laughs> fucking silent. Ah, <laughs> oh, Dave. We love you, we love you Dave. <laughs> um, cool. I think we should get into the thick of it. Into the thick of it. Into the thick, thick of it. What is that? Uh, Adam, you're not on TikTok. No. Stay off. Okay. Um, yeah, please don't, um, don't, don't get, don't go into that shit. We're going to talk about grief now, Dave. We're going to let you tell everyone a bit about your experience with grief. Um, sure. So, if you want to just tell the story, how you feel, you want to, um, and then we'll we'll ask some follow up questions. Sure. Um, so, when I was eight years old, um, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he passed away nine months later. Um, and yeah, that's essentially the story. Um, yeah, it was pretty fucked. Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a bit shorter than I expected. (laughs) No, I was in, yeah, I, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine who I've met up in Brisbane and she, so she, she also suffered a recent loss. Um, a pretty significant one. And she actually asked me this question and it was, I thought it was really fucking interesting. And the, the, like the answer is, I don't know. Um, I'm going to put it to you guys. It's a pretty fucked up thought experiment. So I apologize in advance. You don't have to answer. What would you prefer? Not prefer. It's not a good word. If you were, if you had a parent that was sick and dying, would you prefer to be eight years old, don't really know what's going on, don't really know what's coming, or a 16-year-old like my brother who knows what's happening, knows what's coming? Yeah, I'm interested to see. Like, That's a very, very interesting question. It's a fucking shit question what and was... you don't have to answer. Also, I don't like asking that question because I know your parents and they're lovely. And, <laughs> I, and you know, that, but that's the thing. Like, no, no one should have to think about that sort mm. of shit. But I feel, I don't know, I, like I haven't really dealt with a lot of death mm. in my life, except for pets. Um, but in terms of knowing the benefit of having emotional resources, mm. I would say for myself, I'd prefer to understand and be older what was mm. happening. Yeah. Because I feel like if I was younger and I wasn't able to understand what was happening, it would manifest in unconscious ways for a long time until I realized what was happening. But if I was older and I could understand what was happening and also 
let people help and know that their information that they were giving me was being received and understood. Yeah. I think that I would choose the latter, that being older. Yeah, that's really interesting because I had so many people giving me advice when I was eight years old. I'm like, what are you talking about? I had no idea how to like react to the situation. Um, How did you react? Well, so he was sick for nine months. And actually, before I get into that, Benj, what... Mm. You don't have to answer. I my, j- just just so just so you know, my answer to this question when it was asked to me was like, I don't know. Yeah, I, didn't I really think have an answer. I think I'm similar to Adam. Yeah, but for different reasons. I think I'd prefer to be older. And Dave, I'm not gonna lie, this might cut you deep, but I think it's because I would want to have the memories to cherish. Yeah, um, yeah, and know that when I'm growing old, that like, yeah, there's gonna be moments where you miss your parent and this and that but Mm. to be able to cherish the moments because you don't have that many memories as a kid like you tend to lose memories of early childhood and then your your ability to remember things as you go on seems to improve i think well that's at least in me yeah um it's being able to cherish more memories and have them there with me to develop and and shape me a little bit yeah for sure um also just interestingly, I watched The Adam Project, which is a movie on mm. um, Netflix with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <coughs> and it's a bit of an insight into this question almost because, spoiler alert, if you're going to listen, just skip forward. Um, don't, don't stop listening. Skip forward. Um, <laughs> he meets his younger self and then they meet their dad and their dad had passed away. Yeah. And he gets to come to terms. So he's, he, he grew a lot of resentment towards his father for not being there. Yeah. And I would hate to have that resentment. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're given the opportunity to at least have something that's a bit more memorable to yourself, there's less chance of that. Do you reckon, now that we've gone into that, do you reckon you have any sort of negative emotions? Um, it's a tough question. It's a tough question. Uh, so, well, my experience... My experience was kind of a interesting one because I didn't know that he was sick. I knew that he was sick, but I didn't know he was dying. Um, also, I didn't really know what that meant mm. as an eight-year-old. Um, or should you? Yeah, and like, you know, my, my, my memories of that last nine months was, you know, we went on all these holidays and we, you know, we did all these things. Like we went on a cruise ship and we went to all these, went to like Vanuatu and all these nice islands and then... Um, you know, we got in a Winnebago and we drove across the Nullarbor. Like we did all this really cool shit. Um, and then, you know, I just, you know, I, I remember going to school one day, um, went to the hospital one morning, um, which I didn't know at the time was dad's first chemo. Um, and I remember like all I remember from that day was I got lemonade and a fucking muffin for breakfast at 8am and I went to school just flaunting that shit i was like oh what did you what did you what did you have for breakfast oh cereal yeah nice (laughs) i had lemonade and a muffin fuck yeah (laughs) you know like that in you know i think if i was to remember that really clearly you know that would be a lot more damaging um sometimes ignorance is bliss Mm. sometimes it's not the problem is like I can't change my situation. So mm. I have to learn to be comfortable with my situation. So like, you know, the me being an innocent little eight-year-old eight definitely has its like perks. Um, another, another situation where, so I remember I was, this was in year two. Um, 
I did this like school play. Um, oh, I wasn't a school play. It was like there was a there was a book with a play in it at school, and I said to a few friends like, "Oh, we should we should do this like during assembly." So we did it, and like Dad came to watch, and Mum and Dad came to watch, and I remember after I were like playing in the playground and um, playing in the pra- playground, and then I just like look over, and me and my Dad sort of lock eyes, and he's chatting to um, a family friend of mine, and we lock eyes, and then his bottom lip starts quivering and he he starts crying and in my eight-year-old mind I'm like my dad's fucking crying in front of all my friends right now this is so fucking embarrassing (laughs) like what is going on and then you know like when I look back on that memory I'm just thinking like he was watching me play with my friends being happy and probably thinking like in a few months time I'm not going to be here to you know see him grow up and you know what you know is he going to be okay um, and I think looking back on those, on those, um, on those memories, it's like, it's a bit, it's a bit tough because, you know, I'd like to, it would have been nice in that moment to go up to him and just give him a hug and be like, you know, what, I'll be okay. Like, don't worry about me. Um, so that's, that's where the, that's where the battle between, you know, is it better to be naive or not naive? Um, sort of comes to a head um that was hard to get out yeah, yeah. yeah. good on you seriously proud of you man um but yeah like you know the things that i saw weren't so um emotionally scarring because i didn't really know what was going on mm-hmm. um and then when it actually happened like i remember i found out he was going to die from a friend at school Jesus. um it was actually the son of this woman he was talking to on the last story i just told he was like, his name was Nathan. And Nathan was like, oh, I have to tell you something. I'm like, what? He's like, oh, no, I shouldn't say. I was like, just tell me. And we we're sitting on a table with like five people like doing work in class. And he's like, all right, fine, I'll tell you. Your dad's going to die in a couple of days, days or weeks. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, that's, that's not good. Um, so, yeah. And then like, I didn't really, I didn't really know how I... I can't remember how I reacted. I don't think it really hit me or anything. I was just sort of like, okay, like whatever. And then I remember mum sat me down and told me that it was going to happen. And I remember she was, she was in tears, like about to tell me, she's like, I'm about to, you know, ruin this, my son's life. And I was like, oh, let me guess. And then I just said what I heard at school. And she's like, how did you know? I was like, oh, Nathan told me (laughs) like, it's pretty fucked. Um, and then, yeah, but I don't know, the next few weeks were just, you know, a normal few weeks for me. And then I remember, um, I got called home, um, from school and, um, you know, I remember like leaving the classroom. I got to leave school early and I remember looking over my shoulder, like enjoy school bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I went home and, you know, dad was pretty much on his deathbed all the family were there and then you know he slipped away the next day and um you know when it happened I knew finally like what was going on what had happened like I understood that my dad had just passed away and it was a weird it was a weird few days because you sort of wake up like did that just happen Mm. it's like that denial stage of grief um yeah so I don't know but I, I don't think I properly went through the stages of grief because I was so young. Mm-hmm. There was no way of really processing that properly. Um, so I just sort of went about 
went about my life. And then um, it was sort of interesting because um, as I went through, as I went through school, like I remember, it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> when I was in year nine, I had a Hebrew teacher who hated me. Um, I was a little shit. Um, I hated Hebrew. Can confirm. Hebrew hated me. <laughs> um, it was it was really bad. Hold on, my ass is falling asleep. <laughs> Just got to readjust. Um, so I remember this one time I was really naughty and she said, um, I'm going to call your parents tonight. And I was like, okay, no worries. Because dad, dad wasn't around, mum was working um, and she worked in the afternoon sometimes as well. So I was at home. Um, some of my siblings were home. It was just, yeah, but mum was at work. And the teacher called and I answered the phone and she's like, is your dad home? And I was like, no, he's not home. Uh, she's like, is your mum home? I'm like, no, no, she's, she's also at work. <laughs> and I just, I didn't have the heart to tell her. Like mm. I, I always, I've always had this thing, not so much anymore, but I always used to have this thing where like, I didn't want to tell people because their reaction is always the fucking same. It's always like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Mm. I just, I got really uncomfortable with people um, not pitying me, but just like, you know, that, you know, like, I'm sorry to hear. I've just, I don't know, I've been hearing it my whole life and it's not, it's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just like... The, what would you prefer to hear? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think, I think it's just, I think it's just one of those, I think it's just the way I just adapted to it. It's funny because my sister's sort of like that as well. Like, whenever it comes up in conversation for her, um, like, if someone asks about her dad, she's like, oh, my dad actually passed away, but it's fine. Um, just to like, reduce any chance of any follow-up questions or mm. follow-up like, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm. Um, I don't know why it is. I haven't really explored that, but yeah. Anyway, so I didn't have the heart to tell her. And this went on for two weeks, <laughs> calling like three times a week, trying to get a hold of my mum or my dad. Mum was always at work. Mm. Eventually, oh, I was going to say a fucked up comment. Go on, go on, babe. Eventually she gets a hold of my mum and then the next day at school she calls me in uh she she asked me to stay behind after class and <laughs> she starts bawling her eyes oh, out oh. and she was like, Why didn't you tell me? I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't know, I didn't I didn't know how to tell you. Like it's such a like it's such a fucked up thing to just drop on someone. Yeah. And I think I'd let it go too far at that point as yeah, well. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like maybe she'll just get a hold of mum and that'll be it and then it'll go away. Um yeah, so I don't know. It was always it was always weird, like with teachers and you know. I think going to a private school where most people have both their parents. They live in you know they come from good homes and stuff like that. It's just an assumption that you got two parents. Mm. Um, and that was always really hard. Like, um, like at my at my primary school, there was always like Mother's Day sales and Father's Day sales. Mm. Father's Day is a fucking lonely day for me. Mm. Um, it's just one day a year where all my mates are hanging out with their dads, and I'm just sitting at home doing my thing. Sometimes we, you know, celebrate Mum a little bit on Father's Day, but we generally don't do Father's Day. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's a weird it's a weird fucking day. Um, yeah. Do you use it to sort of commemorate it all? Um, a little bit, but like, it's a pretty sad way to do it. Like, it's a mm. pretty sad way to spend a day that's supposed to be in celebration. So like, I don't know, 
like I think some of my si- sometimes my siblings go and visit the grave and you know I just I don't know I, I just try to write it off as just a normal day like mm. any other day um, but it's hard because there's TV ads it's it's everywhere mm. it's marketed like fucking Christmas mm. like you know Father's Day presents and stuff like that there's been a lot lately on like Mother's and Father's Day where it's like I know they're only Instagram posts like how much does it mean but it's like people saying um thoughts are going out to like the people who don't have their mother anymore don't have their mm. father or their I father haven't seen that and stuff. yeah like i, I think there's a, there's a bit more understanding from the rest of the world mm. um to sort of try and get everyone to be like just be a bit more like don't stop celebrating but just be mindful mm. um and to even check in and now i to be honest like it makes me feel bad that, like i haven't even thought about you on father's day mm. oh and, and um, there's nothing wrong with that that's not like you should never be like and that, that's what i really want people to take from this as well like hug your fucking parents like don't mm. you should never feel bad about celebrating your fucking parents for everything they've done for you um i just don't think that like there shouldn't it shouldn't be one day a year where you do that i mm. think and i it shouldn't be this like official thing i think every day like any opportunity you get like tell your parents you love them um and do do nice things for your parents sometimes like mm. yeah and it's not even just people who have lost parents to you know death it's like you know it's also people who you know some, what if someone's being abused by their dad mm. uh, or you know or their mum or you know whatever and mother mother's day or father's day comes around um that would be tough for them as well it's not inclusive mm. it's inclusive for people who have normal fucking families mm. um yeah i, I want to talk about that statement normal families sorry because yeah, it sounded I, a bit dodgy no, when i like, say normal families i mean families where everyone's around it's i just don't think that that's normal anymore though to be honest if you look at the divorce rates um yeah if you look at just the general population like i think you'd be surprised at how many people don't have that normal Tradi- sorry, traditional normal family like that because, nuclear family yeah because yeah. families do have divorces and sometimes they can go bad and mm. like maybe you don't celebrate a mother's day or father's day because of the reason behind that mm. um so i don't really think there is a definition of a normal family anymore mm. yeah i think you're right um yeah like and that's the thing like i don't know what to do with it do you just like get rid of father's day or get rid of mother's day like probably not but I think the way that it's commercialized and advertised... Family Day? Family Day would be That's good. An interesting idea. We should send that to ScoMo. Yeah. Oh, he is he, good at marketing. He won't. <laughs> <laughs> ScoMo won't do a fucking thing. <laughs> um, I've, got a, I've got a question. Yeah. So you said that there was the initial stage of like denial when you were a kid. Yeah. And then you didn't really know what to do after that. Mm-hmm. Was did the next stages come at some point and when did they come? Um, I don't know if they came as systematically as it's mapped yeah. out and, you know, this, is it the seven stages of grief? Seven, eight? I, I think it's five or seven. Yeah. What, what, whatever the number. Um, I think it all came back in this big clusterfuck. And I think that happened after I finished school, after I'd come back from gap year and I started really struggling with my mental health mm. Um, and I started reflecting on all the things that my dad's missed out on, um, Mm. through my teens and, you know, 
I guess, I guess cause it was this stage in my life where I'm, I'm starting to become a man and mm. I'm starting to become an adult. And, you know, I think, I think, I think both parents play a big role in that. And, you know, my mum's been amazing. She's the most amazing person ever. Um, but it's hard doing that on your own. Mm. Um, and I think there's some, there's some gaps that can't really be filled by one parent. Um, and that's, that doesn't say anything about the one parent who's doing everything I can. That's just, I think it's just normal. I think, I think psychologically it's very good for kids to have two parents. Mm. Um, and I think that's, I think we can all agree on that. Mm. Um, so yeah, like I had, I had really poor mental health. Um, I was anxious all the time and I was very socially anxious, um, you know, I would cancel dates because I was terrified. Mm. Um, and I think it affected a few relationships, like potential relationships in the past as well. Like even in school, like I remember um, like I, I had this friend and, you know, we always had a bit of a crush on each Like, you know, it was, it was, this, it was this situation where I always liked her. It was never the right time, you know. Mm. Um, and then it got to like towards the end of year 11 and then we started like, we started like hooking up and then she just said to me like, but like, you know, I kind of want to give this a go. And I was just like, yeah, nah, nah. Um, and I just never, I never understood why I was like, why did I just push this away? I've wanted Mm. this for so long. And then I think I just realized like, I was really scared of getting close to people. Um, because I was really scared of losing someone who I've become really close to. Um, and that was, yeah, that was probably, that was a big realization for me. Like I, I sort of discovered that when I started seeing a psychologist and I, I discovered a lot about myself and my past. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben bench farted. Ben just, ben just farted. Anyway, got it. Perfect timing. Jeez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe I've never farted during a podcast. Oh, uh, you pick your moments well. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. Don't be, don't be. It's, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think I think as I got older, I just started to realize that it has actually affected me in ways that I didn't I didn't realize mm. um, until later. And I and I've dealt with them since. You know, like my last relationship was quite a good one, and mm. definitely at the start of the last relationship I had. I had my moments when I was getting to know this person where I was like um, sort of scared to, to jump into it. Mm. And, you know, I I sort of feel like I wanted to pull back a bit um, because I really like this person. Um, well, I, I really like this person. So I was like, mm, I think you're just falling into this trap that you normally fall into. So I pushed past it and mm. it was great. And I had a great relationship. Mm. And that was huge for me. That was my first proper long-term relationship mm. like in-person relationship mm. Feynman knows i have this long distance thing that i went think on you still while. have it bro no you still got it you're secretly hiding it from us uh, <laughs> no 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 no. good old long um, stockings <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i had an international long distance relationship and that was that we met in the middle of year 12 i was in thailand and i met this um i met this irish girl and we we're talking every day and we like fell madly in love with each other. And, um, I remember just like being in school and everyone was like, 
oh yeah okay you're gonna yeah you're gonna go over to england and you're gonna meet this irish girl and have yeah like fucking sure and mm. i did <laughs> <laughs> so everyone can get fucked but no like it was it was funny because once i did get over there like she was still in belfast and i was in england i was in london so we were still doing long distance and um yeah like we actually didn't get much opportunity to actually see each other so mm. yeah and then like i like she came she came to london like just before i went back to australia we went to a sticky fingers concert it was mad Stoke. i met the whole band in a bar on the other side like across from the venue we were having beers with sticky fingers before the show which is mad mm. um and, and then did you get your fingers sticky Oh my god, Ben! I had to. It was a clear segue. Come on. No, <laughs> I did. I didn't. We sort of weren't together at that point because we knew that I was going back to Australia. So let me ask you this question then. Yeah. When were you together? <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is a question all the boys need to know an answer. It's a re- that's a really good question, and the you know I don't know because. That's the thing. Like when I say an official long-term relationship, like the one I just had was the first, like the only official one. Cause yeah, like it wasn't, we were never like official. Cause how can you put a label on something like that? It was, it was fucking all over the place. Did it but feel, then, did it feel safe um, having it long distance? There, It had its moments where I was like, this is fucking hard. Like she would go out with her mates every weekend and then, she'd be sending me like Snapchat stories of her in the club. And then I'd see like a guy 20 meters away in the background. And I just feel like, out. and I'd just be like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, yeah, it was hard. It was hard. That's, that's social media for you. Just stay off it. It's bad for your mental health. But, but no, it, it, yeah, like it was. In terms of what you said before about like, you were afraid to get close to people in terms of like, you were in this relationship that was long distance and there was this forced distance between the two of you yeah was it comforting with that knowing that you really couldn't get close to this person right question yeah um maybe that's why it was maybe that's just why it worked for me like there was never i don't know yeah like i don't know i guess it wasn't i'm not i can't say it wasn't a real relationship but like in terms of the amount of myself i had to give to Mm. it and vice versa like there wasn't that much responsibility Mm. like you know we'd talk and we'd facetime and stuff like that um but there was a lot of stuff that i just didn't really have to do like you know even um even just like on the from the physical from a physical perspective being someone who's very who was very insecure um about my body and stuff like that um i don't have to deal with any of that Mm. for a long time Mm. And then when we met up, like, you know, <laughs> I actually have a funny story about that. So I, I lost my virginity to this person. And I remember, I remember I was really ashamed of my body hair. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm just, I had this like little shaver thing. And I was like, I'm just going to trim like some of the hair on my stomach. And I tried to like thin it out. And then I looked in the mirror and it just looked like I had zebra stripes going up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what have I done? What yeah. have I done? This is so bad. And then I ended up just shaving my stomach and yeah. then like leaving my chest hair. Yeah. And then I was like, you look ridiculous been there, right now. And I lost my virginity with my shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I lost my virginity with my shirt on too. <laughs> I was... And she, she was like, why is your shirt on? I was like, it's fine. Just <laughs> don't worry about it. Can I say something fucked? Yeah. I don't really remember losing my virginity. Interesting. Mm. 
That's yeah. Normally, people, well, I feel like you lost your virginity with your very long term partner. Yeah, so maybe all the sex was, like, was put together in your mind. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's all because once it started, it was like let's go. You know, yeah. Friday night mitzvah. Yeah, you know, it was. Yeah, so I I do want to ask a question, Dave. Yeah. So like, I because like I said before, like I haven't been close to death that much, mm-hmm. and I feel like in our culture as well like we very much remove death and don't really think about death mm-hmm. how did losing your dad so early on affect your relationship with death um such an aggressive word yeah it is such an aggressive word i i, I try to say passing whenever i can or like passed away instead of okay. died I, oh is it i'm not saying the concept of death that yeah, was yeah. Like, yeah 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 for sure um i guess it just made me realize my own like you know my mum's mortality for example or you know people around me I've recognized everyone's mortality um from a very young age I think like when you're so young you look around at the people around you and you never really think of them like one day or you never think of yourself one day having to deal with losing them Mm. um in that regard so um definitely early on it made me it made me pretty aware of that stuff, which isn't the worst lesson to learn. I think mm. the way that I learned that was kind of fucked, but mm. like, I think it's not the worst lesson to learn because you're going to learn it sooner or later. Mm. I remember the first time I ever found out that people die. Mm. Um, I was in kinder and the teacher was telling this story about, uh, I didn't even know what it was about. I think it was like a couple and they got old and then one of them, um, one of them died or something. Uh, they got old and then they died mm. And then I went home and cried on my mum's lap. I was mm. like, I don't want you to die. Oh. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just like, that was that was a weird realisation. Um, yeah, so I guess it sort of opened me up to that world quite early on. Mm. Um, and then like, you know, a year later, my grandfather died, my mum's dad. Mm. So mum had a shit two years. Mm. Um, and yeah, so like I, I guess I experienced it a fair bit when I was younger. And then like my, um, <laughs> I had a girlfriend in year two. Um, her, her father passed away. Wow. Um, a year or two after dad. Um, and you know, we we're very close. Fam- we're still close family friends mm. and I'm still good friends with her. Um, so I had to watch her go through that. And we've always, um, had that mutual connection, mm-hmm. um, which is quite nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it just it opens up, it opens up a door that you can't really close. Mm. You know, it's never going to be closed again. That's so. a nice little segue into like the next question, which is how's how did the experience help you grow? If you reflect back, how did the experience help me grow? Um, I think it helped me grow in a lot of ways. Um, I guess the main one would be I learned to appreciate from a very young age how precious life is and how I got to see firsthand how hard it is to be a parent and it really made me appreciate mum and everything she does like you know I'm one of four so she basically had to raise four kids on her own um and it was fucking hard for her and watching her go through these struggles and, you know, trying to balance work and, you know, us and, you know, raising us and all that. Um, it really made me value 
mum and me and mum have a really good relationship like I tell mum everything like we are so close um and I think that's something that I I guess I got from this experience Mm. and you know I, 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 I don't think that if this didn't happen that wouldn't be the case but it really made me hold the people that are close to me really tight um and you know I care a lot about the people I love around me mm. um yeah and I guess I guess like the experience of the experience of losing um my dad is it's one of those things that um hold on I'm just trying to I'm losing my train of thought mm. One sec. Dad. <laughs> growth. <laughs> growth. Growth. Um, yeah, oh, I guess I just said it. Yeah. It's, I, I, I'd say that's the biggest growth for me is just learning to appreciate the people around me mm. and um, really cherishing life. And, mm. and I, think, I think that's actually one of the reasons why, you know, when I came back from gap year and I was really struggling was that like, I was unhealthy. I wasn't looking after myself and I wasn't cherishing my life. Mm. Um, and that was, I don't know, like maybe, maybe that's, maybe that was the stem of my issues was that like, you know, what I took from this was to cherish life and I'm not even cherishing my own. Mm. Um, how selfish, mm. like my dad's life was cut short. You have your whole life ahead of you. Like you need to look after yourself. Mm. Um, and I think that's a pretty important lesson to take from that. Mm. Um, so I guess, and you know, since then I've been great. You know, I think my mental health has been great. Definitely ups and downs as we all have. Mm. Um, but I've grown heaps in the last few years. Mm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't really drink that much anymore unless it's like special occasions or like maybe once a week, like on weekends and stuff. I used to be every day after work and stuff like that. Um, I used to smoke weed a lot, mainly as a coping mechanism. Mm. Like I'd come home and start having panic attacks and then I'd... Were you, you know, aware of that at the time? I didn't know there were panic attacks. No, did you know that you were using it as a coping mechanism? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it started off as fun. I feel like I feel like with that sort of stuff, it always starts off a bit of fun with your mates. Mm. You're having a bit of a laugh. And then I started to not enjoy doing it with my mates. Mm. I would sit at a table with them. I'd be in my head. Mm. I wouldn't say a word mm. because I'm like, everyone's judging me right now. Mm. And then I started doing it on my own. Mm. I'd come back from uni and start freaking out about something. And I just, yeah, use it to sort of calm myself down. Um, and and then I had my heart thing in 2018. So when I was uh, just after I turned 21 or 22, I had um, a severe myocarditis. Um, was in ICU for a night, was in hospital for like 10 days. And they basically just said like, you need to, you need to start looking after yourself um, because you could have died. I think it was like um, the age group um, that I was in and the condition that I had. It's like a 20% chance of mortality, something like that. Um, so one in five. Um, I could have crazy. Yeah, I could have died. It was, it was full on. Um, and mum was devastated as well. I, re- I remember because I, I said I had this chest pain and it was unbearable. Mm. It was so bad. I remember, and she, she was, 
she was out for dinner with some mates and like at the like a dinner party somewhere and then i called her and i was like i'm having this really bad chest pain and she was just like all right i'll come i'll come check on you she brought her friend who was a doctor and they both agreed that it was just um like an esophageal spasm mm. um or like a reflux or something so she gave me a nexium she's like yeah you'll be all right um and she's like i'm gonna drop um i forgot her name uh, back at the dinner party and then I'll come back. I was like, can I please come in the car with you? I'm really scared. This is not a normal pain. I've never had this before. So I came in the car and then as soon as her friend got out of the car, I just started bawling my eyes out. I've never been in so much pain in my life. It oh felt God, like there man. was a glass rock the size of a <sighs> European handball. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to... What? That's such a bad reference size. What's, what's a similar... No, what's, that's, 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 what's, what's the size? <laughs> Two tennis balls. Yeah. I felt like I had jagged glass two jagged glass tennis balls just <laughs> sitting in my chest yes um it was so painful mm. and um i remember going to hospital and they <laughs> they took my bloods um have you heard of troponin before yeah yep. troponin yep troponin we can argue about <laughs> agree to disagree uh troponin is a marker for um like cardiac damage essentially so some machines don't even register anything more than 200 uh, nano moles per i don't know whatever whatever the measurement is um some of them just say it has like a greater than symbol and then 200 anything greater than 200 is considered severe um mine peaked at 1700 whoa um so i was not in a good way and that that was sort of a that whole thing that whole thing was a big turning point for me because i was very unhealthy i wasn't looking after myself i didn't value I valued exercise and eating well, but I just wasn't, you know, manifesting that in my life. Mm. Um, and then they said to me, you can't exercise. You can't lift your heart rate for the next six months. You need to chill out. So, you know, I couldn't even go for a kick with my mates in the mm. park or anything like that. Um, and that was really hard because I didn't realize how much I was going to miss that. Mm. Um, so for six months, I just had to lay low, like couldn't even have sex mm. that's what they said <laughs> um that's what they recommended um i don't even know if i did actually there opportunities to have sex no i don't even think i did i think i think i was i was pretty much celibate for those six months i was really like i was really scared yeah <laughs> were you thinking about the insult? yeah we were saying yeah, we'll, the we'll, we'll get to that we'll <laughs> <laughs> um and then, yeah, after that six months was done, I called my doctor, my cardiologist on the day and I was like, can I start exercising now? And he's like, yes, I guess so. <laughs> I was like, sick. And I got into jujitsu and that's when I started doing jujitsu. Can, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you trust your heart now? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, I have some minor scarring, which isn't what you want, but it's very minor. Mm. Um, a lot more minor than they expected. Mm. So that's great. Um, and yeah, my heart's been fine. So I guess what you're saying about the whole thing is that like your experience with death really highlighted the preciousness of life. Yeah. And the, the importance of like looking after yourself and like being appreciative that you're alive and you should live it to the fullest. Mm. And in that period of my life, I wasn't, um, and that was pretty bad of me. And then unfortunately it took this heart thing for me to realize that mm. I actually need to look after myself and, you know, I want to be able to enjoy life and I mm. want to be able to, you know, be fit and be healthy. And yeah. And then like coming out of that, coming out of that whole thing, like I lost a bunch of weight, 
I started getting fit. It's, you know, fitness and... Looking good these days. Mm. Dave's looking good these oh, days. Sexy man. Stop it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think diet and exercise is always a bit of an ebb and flow. Like you have your, your mm. good times and your bad times. But I think I think for the most part, I've maintained a pretty healthy weight. I'd like to lose a bit more, but you know, it's, we'll get there. Benj, what is, uh, yeah. what's your relationship with death like? It's pretty minimal. Yeah. We mentioned this in the previous season that neither of us have really experienced it beyond pets. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my great grandmother, um, but I was like, I was like 16. I didn't really have a relationship with her because she couldn't speak English. Mm. So I don't really have a relationship with death per se. Mm. I think as I get older, I learn a lot about death and like <clears throat> I work at an aged care center where people die pretty mm. frequently. Mm. Um, and I've seen friends lose family members. I've had especially recently there's been a lot of death of friends parents grandparents and stuff and it's like it's been a bit a bit scary Mm. um i'm sort of in a really it's it's a bit fucked to say out loud but like my grandparents on one side they are in a bit of a decline at the moment Mm -hmm. and we're trying to do everything we can to prolong Mm -hmm. and it raises a question of who are we doing this for Mm. Mm. Um, we're preventing death for who? It's yeah, pretty much always for yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's a crazy thing. I even had one. I was in working in aged care today, and I was treating one guy. I was telling him how I'm going away, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna miss you." And I was like, "That's really sweet." And I was like, "I'll be back in a couple of years." And it's like, "Oh, don't know if I'll be here." Mm. You know, I'm 94. I'm just really waiting to die now. Mm. That's and a big. That's a big wake up call <clears throat> as well. Like when someone hits you with that, like these people in the aged care center are legitimately sitting there waiting to die, and it's mm. like it's scary. Mm. Yeah, when, when I was doing placement, um, I was doing a cert four last year. I was doing placement. I was doing this patient transport thing, and I went into an um, <coughs> an aged care home, and this poor guy, he was like ninety seven, um, double amputee of the legs war veteran and he literally just leant forward to grab something and he hadn't like because he didn't have legs he couldn't stop himself but he just started tilting forward and he just smacked his head on the ground and had a massive like five or six inch laceration um on his forehead and you know we transported him up to hospital and you know he was the loveliest old man um and he was in good spirits but like you know i i wonder how he feels about you know living in this aged care home and you know how he views you know how he's living out the rest of his life Mm. and like you're right like that's it's it it's about them it's not about us it's not about Mm. preserving them as much as we can and that's a hard thing that's it's you know it's like what we were talking about before about being being selfish like you know i think it's okay to be selfish sometimes but I think when it's people's quality of life, it's it's like a really it's really muddy water. Um, like yeah. I know, like working there, like I'm terrified of becoming old, mm. like mm. like that old. Like there's a, there's a woman there who's 103 years old, wow. mm. right? And I look at her quality of life, and I do not. I don't want the quality of life that any of these people. There's one woman there. And she put herself in the home because she was like, I just need help with a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I live at home alone anyway. Like, I'm still going to do me. And she, she's fine. She's healthy. She's solid. But everyone else there, it's 
so scary. Mm. Mm. You sort of just have to like look at them and be like, I I have to live right now. Like I have to make the most of Mm -hmm. this. Yeah, it puts things into perspective for sure. You don't have much of a relationship with death. Me. Um, So what is was all this doing to you? Honestly, like hearing yeah, hearing your story, Dave. Like especially like that first story (laughs) about your when you were in the playground and your dad looked at you and and started crying. I was like, oh my God, like imagine being that man, like mm. that would be so fucked, like yeah. so hectic knowing you're going to die. Yeah. And I don't know, like hearing these stories about death, it's like, I've never, yeah, I've never been so close to it. And it's so like, it's so serious. It's like the most serious thing there is because mm. it, again, it puts like life into perspective. Like uh, my, my granddad passed away when I was like three years old and I have no memories of him. Mm. And I always knew that he was that he died, you know, like uh, that always came up. Um, and I was always kind of mad. I was always kind of angry. I was like, I wish I had this like wise grandpa in my life, you know. Mm. And I've heard so many amazing stories about him. Such have, so he was such an amazing person, mm. and all these things. And like, I kind of have his some of his clothes, and I like try and like feel like he's with me in that you know even i don't know just a bit of his energy is there and i can like almost like feel him and it's like kind of nice even though i i have no memories of this man yeah um but i feel like my other than my dog dying Mm. the times where i really kind of confronted death not the emotional side but much more like the almost the objective side of it was at uni Mm. um because we went to uni together david yeah for David, um, <laughs> and the wet labs. I don't know if you did wet labs. I oh. didn't. No, no. I will be cadavers. In, yeah, with yeah. cadavers. So like we I get be to soon. be. In, like, I had an anatomy class, and like we had to do flag tests where they put little red kind of markers on a on a on a corpse, really, and you have to identify what part of the body it is. And I remember the first the 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 below the head was fine, mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I saw a head, a face, a dead person's face. I was like, whoa wow okay this is this is mm. a dead person you are you are also seeing it in a in quite a you know it's preserved in formaldehyde it's yeah. like you know it's not a very yeah. natural way to see a dead body the way yeah. they like, they do it as well is like they try and maintain humility yeah for mm. these people yeah i know like i don't know about your university experience i also worked with cadavers yeah. and in our first class they take us in and they show us all the parts of the body yeah and after that we each have to write a letter to the family really? of the person or people who we will be examining and assessing. Because we were doing it every week. It was yeah. every week. And yeah. then we were also going to dissect a human being. Yes. Um, so they made us really embrace the fact that this is not just flesh. This is a person. Yeah. Um, they also keep like fingernails on. They leave pubic yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They try and maintain some levels of humility and it's it's traumatizing for some people. Mm. Yeah. I kind of like, I don't know. I've, I've always resented the fact in Western culture that we keep the dead or the idea of death so far away from us because I think it's really important to have... What, um, can you go into that a bit more? Like, I yeah, don't, for sure. I personally don't understand it because in, in Jewish tradition, we hold death pretty close to us. Like, right. I think the Jews deal with death in a very, very, very good way. Sure. Um they bury the body within 24 hours if possible and then it's just 
the whole community gets around you. Sure. You're forced to deal with the emotions saying goodbye. And yeah. then for the next six months at the services, you're given the opportunity to say a prayer for your parent. And that's like three times a day where you're remembering your parent, but you're holding them close. Even even in that, like burying the dead immediately is, I don't know. I, I feel like some other cultures I know in, in, in Eastern traditions, they like keep the body close for like a week up to a week you know mm. and they might burn it or they might i don't know they keep it for a bit and then bury it but like being close to the actual piece of death you know and like mm. actually seeing that and not rushing it away and like getting it out of sight so quickly i think for me personally i think that that would i'd benefit from that even though it might be hard but mm. so what are you holding on to physically how do you mean so i think what you're talking about there is you're holding on to something that's physical mm. Um, but what's with you forever really is their spirit or their For sure. their connection. For sure. mm. So I, I, think I think removing that physicality early and making you remember all the memories and having that constant moment. So there's seven days of, we call it shiver, um, seven days of mourning where you're constantly reminded of the person. Mm. Even though their body's gone, you are reminded that they are there. Mm. They were there. They're now somewhere else, but that is who they were. Like It's mm. not that they're gone. Their spirit is somewhere else, but mm. it's still there with you, within mm. you, mm. and you can always get in touch with that whenever. But that's you want. that's that's the more yeah, that's the meaning making part of human nature, which is beautiful, obviously. But like that's more the emotional, spiritual side. But like the physical part, people, I don't know, people are very afraid of dying. What does it give you? Hey, what does the physical aspect of death give you? I don't know. I think it kind of because you never see dead people you know it's, it's like you never see death and it's like there's i don't know personally i have a lot of fear about death because i don't know what it is i don't know what it is because mm. i haven't really experienced it in my life like last year my my dad got diagnosed with prostate cancer mm. and that was probably one that was a wake-up call for me and like it was a really interesting experience for me actually because he's a gp and the way he went about it was very diagnostic and very clinical without much emotion in it. He was giving me all the facts mm. and the statistics about, you know, like mortality and like what his options were and stuff like that. And it was, I don't know, it was a big wake up call for me because it was like, even though it was a scare and he's okay, he had surgery, he got it taken out. Um, but it was like, if this was serious, and he passed away. What have I been doing for my entire life? You know, like listening to your story, Dave, mm. like your father was taken away. Yeah. And like, I've had all this time with my, with my dad and like, I don't know, him and I have had a pretty tumultuous relationship and there's been a lot of resentment and anger. And it kind of made me think he was close to leaving. It's like, what have I been doing all this time? And I was really upset about that. I was like, what the fuck have I been doing? Like having so much anger towards him. And I was crying about it, but he was very, again, he was very diagnostic. He had no emotion about it. He didn't really show any fear. Mm. And I think, yeah, the way that the person who's experiencing the, the dying process or whatever, or mm. even sickness, should I say, the way they convey the information is, is almost co-regulation of the person you're giving it to. Um, that's kind of what my experience was like. And I don't know, maybe that's also affected my thing with wanting to see the physical side of it because I haven't really been shown much of the emotional side and the spiritual side of death. 
I think you just explored a big side of the spiritual and emotional thing. Like you weren't necessarily scared of him not being there physically, but more what emotionally you'd missed out on and that connection. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that's why you were talking about like physicality of death. I don't think it's that important because at the end of the day, what people are scared of is missing that hum- like that intellectual and emotional connection that you have with that person. Mm. Because, I don't know, like, at the end of the day, you you come here with nothing and you leave here with nothing, mm. you know? But what you do put out into the world, that's what matters. Mm. You what, what you what you imprint on other people, um, what you create emotionally and those connections, those are the things that people don't forget. Um, and I think as well, like, the only thing you really have of someone else is memories. Yeah. And, you know, I think, and also, like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't blame yourself for, you know, how you and your dad have interacted because like, you know, sometimes you need to hear stories like this to realize like, mm. okay, maybe I need to like change this or change mm. that. Um, so don't look at that like, oh, what have I been doing? You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think like if, if, you, if what you have taken from this is like, you know, maybe I want to change a couple of things about, mm. you know, the way me and my dad interact and that's great. And, you know, you can't learn that until you, realize that that's important or mm. you you know um but sorry this is a little bit off topic but mm-hmm. i thought it was interesting like what you said about um you know how he sort of diagnosed himself because um my dad was a radiation oncologist so mm. he treated cancer which mm-hmm. is quite ironic um he knew something was going on mm-hmm. and he went to another doctor and that doctor diagnosed him with ibs really irritable bowel syndrome um and yeah and then he just sort of went about his life after that and then um he went and got a second opinion and that's when he found out he had cancer and um by that point it had spread to his liver which you know um for anyone who doesn't know if cancer spreads to the liver it's pretty it's fucking bad mm. it's pretty bad the liver has veins and connection throughout the whole body literally the entire body so once it gets to the liver it's pretty bad um so at that point it was too late mm. so yeah it's 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 interesting because he, he he knew he knew something and it sounds like your dad had the same sort of like gut feeling mm. um so yeah just i don't know and mum actually still has this letter um mm. the first letter that she got saying that he had ibs and like i think she might have thrown it out recently she kept it all these years and she showed me it just made me so fucking mad um. Yeah. So that was a bit. Sorry, that was a bit of a segue. Why did why did make you mad? Um. That's a deeper question than you think. Mm. Um. Because I felt like, you know, what it's it's a big what if. Mm. What if he correctly diagnosed him? Would it have been early enough to you know maybe get his pancreas removed? You know, something like that. Uh, would it have been early enough? How would my life be if he, if we caught it early enough? Um, and I've just sort of realized over the years that that's, I can't, I can't live thinking mm. what if, um, I'll drive myself crazy. Mm. Um, and yeah, like that's, yeah, it like, it is what it is. It was a, yeah, but I think mum's thrown it out now. Um, it's a bit of a shit reminder. Like, I don't know why it took so long, but what would you what would you say to people who are experiencing 
the process of dying or having family friends or family or friends who are dying or who are grieving? Um, it's hard to say because everyone experiences it differently. Mm. Everyone's relationships with those people are going to be different. Like I remember, um, like Benj was saying before, we had we had some we had some close friends who recently lost parents, and I reached out to them straight away, and I was just like, "Hey, like I've been through this. If you want to talk to someone, like I'm here." Um, some of them did, some of them didn't. Um, one of them was really proactive about it and actually reached out to me, and he's just like, "You know, um, you know, what can I? You know, do you have any? Do you have any advice? Do you have any of this or that?" Um, it's hard to give advice to people mm. about that sort of stuff, but I, I guess I'd just say like, reach out to people, mm. speak to someone and just be patient with yourself because mm. you don't get over stuff like that. You know, like I think with grandparents and stuff, it's a little bit easier to deal with because it's uh, you know it depends some mm. people are really 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 close with their grandparents mm. i'm really close with my nana up in queensland my other grandmother who passed away uh, a while back weird relationship with her i love her mm. but you know it was a bit of a strange relationship benj knows why I'm not going to go into it <laughs> um i'll explain after okay. um yeah like it, it really it really depends but i guess just you know reach out to the people you love and you know, you don't have to do anything, but mm. don't, don't numb it with drugs or alcohol. Just surround yourself with people you love. Um, that's the best advice I can give. Feel it. Feel it. It's going to be shit. It's going to be fucking, it's going to be fucking shit, but that's life. Like you can't be happy all the time. That's one thing mm. I've realized as well. And I think, um, oh, Jordan Peterson says this thing that I really like, um, I'm telling you, we've got to get Jordan Peterson on this. <laughs> How many times does he get reference we'll, on this we'll show? Email him. Uh, yeah, well, he, he says this thing where like, it's it's that old like mythological story of, um, you know, in order to get the gold, you got to fight the dragon. Um, and like, he talks about this idea of, you know, you need to go through struggles to get really, to get positive things mm. out of life. So whether that's taking on a responsibility that is hard or... Mm you know, going through something tough or trying something, you know, like moving to Brisbane. Mm. Like I know for, I know like this has been, it's been really hard to move to Brisbane, but I know that it's going to build my resilience. Mm. It's going to build my adaptability. And I think this is going to be really good for me in the long run. Like take challenges in your life and build your resilience. And um, yeah, so I, re I really like, I really like that. I really like that he says that. I have one last thing to say before we finish up. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Euphoria. I haven't. Not the whole thing. Okay. So uh, the main character, Zendaya's character. Don't get Rue. me started on Zendaya. Um, this isn't a spoiler, by the way. <laughs> oh, not really though. Um, so her dad passes away when she was like a teenager. And at the end of the, at the, end of the season. Which season? The most recent season. Okay, so spoiler alert. A bit of a spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> there's something comes up where she talks about how everyone kind of told her like how is she going to get through it, or whatever, like all this advice and stuff, all this bullshit. And she was really angry because she didn't understand it. And she was like, "There is no meaning in death. Like she had to find meaning in it. You have to find it yourself and like attribute meaning 
to the death. Like you're not going to, it's not just going to be there. You have to choose what the meaning is of it. Mm. And like, I feel dumb saying this because I haven't experienced death, but I feel like that is, it's a thing. Yeah. That yeah. might be mm. a thing. Well, it's, it's interesting because like death is really sad for us. And like maybe before the person passes away, it's sad for them. But once they've passed, they're at peace. They don't feel anything. Mm. Um, they don't have to experience, you know, the sort of sufferings that, you know, we have to deal with in this world. Um, they're just at rest. Mm. And I think that's something that's quite comforting. Mm. You know, when you have people that you love that are, that have passed on, like, you know, for a fact, like, they're just chilling. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. They're they're at peace. And yeah, I think I think that's I think that's really nice. Cool. Yeah. It's a nicer note to finish on. Yeah, yes. for sure. Um, Dave, first of all, props to you for coming out Seriously. And, and sharing this story. Um, really, really tough and you should be really proud of the way you've been able to talk about it, present yourself and, and share your story. So big Yes. <laughs> round of applause you to you thank you i appreciate it and i apologize for uh, for uh, losing my train of thought a couple times uh, don't there be sorry. Don't um, be sorry. like i said i'm very hungover you had um, a good night <laughs> yeah um if, <laughs> if anyone was triggered by some of the things that we've said today please contact reach out to us not even us Someone. but even just like beyond blue your psychologist anyone because like a lot of this stuff is pretty heavy um and yeah we hope everyone is safe and good and hug your parents. Yes. Hug I'm your gonna, family. I'm going to do that. Yep. <laughs> I know we're all going to hug after this. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, as always, share us around, um, spread the love, and let us know what you want to hear from us in the future because, you know, we're trying to provide voices for everyone and touch on some big topics. So if you've got something to share, let us know. Mm. Thanks for tuning in. A feed is in. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Bye. Now the boy.